doesn't expect a nut. That's just uh, I feel like I'm going to get an Oscar. Huh? <laughs> or on behalf of my wife and I. Huh? Wow. Um, you had a crazy week. Huh? Up hands have you had a crazy week? Well, we're going to read a story in the Bible about two guys who had the most crazy week. Crazy week. And um, it's in Luke 24, if you've got your Bibles. And we're just going to walk through the Bible, walk through this passage. And I really believe that God's wanting to share stuff with us. Now, I have a real job reading. Reading is the most horrible thing ever, especially in school. Fire's really bad at reading here. Oh, man, so I'm not alone, eh? Absolutely hate. I used to love comics because comics had the drawings. You didn't really need to read the words. I just looked at the drawings of Dennis and Menace. I woke up this morning at 4 o'clock thinking on Andres Dennis, Dennis and Menace jumper. Remember Andres with big red stripes and black stripes? Eh? I haven't seen that in years, Andre. Is it still on the go? Oh, 4 o'clock in the morning. It's amazing what goes through your mind when you try to get to sleep, is it? Just a picture of Andre on his bike with his Dennis Jimenez shirt and his hat on, okay? Bike into Belga. Why does that come out your head first thing in the morning, eh? It's like a nightmare. Lord, save me. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, then I start thinking about the message. I'm setting the scene here. I have a real job reading. And it's really a problem because I really believe God's given me a passion in my head to Ken Merrill's word. But to read the Bible for me is so, so difficult. So I had a bit of a mission about a year ago. I decided I was going to find an author that I liked, or two authors that I liked. And I got to take a book library, and I got to read that book before it's due. And that was so, so hard. 500 pages in one month, weird job, and nothing else has gone in your life. But I was determined to conquer this reading situation. So I found two authors, John Grisham and Lee Child. Two completely different guys. So Jack Reacher. Um, do you ever read? Yes, I see that hand. Yeah. I'm into Jack Reacher. Sets the scene, very first scene. He walks into a bar. And he all, he all, in the coffee shop, he takes a corner seat because he likes to observe everything that's happening. And he looks across, and Abby's just enjoying himself, but there's one man. First page, there's one man looking at this other man. And this guy is a spy, because he's looking at everything that man's doing. First page, I'm hooked. Huh? And I've got to read the first, next page. I've got to read the next page. And then before I came, I said, I've read the book. And I said, right, okay, I've read one book. I'm reading the next book. Now, I have a job relaxing. Right, relaxation is my problem in life because I love to work and I love to hear things happening, do my garden. Um, so I determined that I'm going to take the book to my work to read it. So during my breaks, I'll read a chapter. During my lunchtime, I force myself to read a chapter. I'm going to get off my lunch break until my chapter's read because I need to conquer this in my life. You see, we need to set goals in life to help us conquer things that are weak in, weak in 
that we are weak in life. Yeah? And it's caused me to read books. And it, but the, the other side of it is it's, con- it's conquered the fear of reading in my life. Now you can see that's not spiritual. It's, I just, I just, uh, but you can something. It's caused me a hunger for the Word of God. You see, I now went to buy, I've now bought a chronological Bible, which means that the Bible is written in timelines. That when I'm reading it, I'm reading it, and I'm thinking about all these different things, and I want to see how it happens in the timeline. I'm thinking about how, how, how did it happen? When did it happen? And as you can see, when we're going through this story, we want to set the scene. We want to feel what is happening in that age at that time. And here we are at the crucifixion. Now, 130 years prior, Julius Caesar had just become the emperor of Rome. And then he was um, assassinated 64 years later. Um, Sumo wrestling, 40 years, 40 BC, sumo wrestling was introduced to the world in Japan. Eh? 30 BC, saddles was first used in Europe. Yeah? So you want to see if it's all happening in this age. And so we want to enter back into time. You see, we often think of the Bible in like today's thing. For We always like forget that what was really happening in the world back then. And, and there was all these things happening in the world events back then. The craziest fact of all was this. When was Jesus Christ born? 6 B.C. That's a bit of nuts, is it? Does that need to warp your thinking? But in my chronological Bible, it says Jesus was born 6 BC. You see, we take things for fact, don't we? And we don't really become people of the word. We don't become people. We just go by, by facts and we just think, I can everything. I can everything I raise about God. I can about everything I raise about life. I can about this. I can about that. But we need to be people of the word, folks. We need to care Bibles. Because the Bible teaches us this. The Bible teaches us this. That in the last days, people will say, I am the Messiah. Come and follow me. And that's the other guy will say, I am the Messiah. Come and follow me. And people will get well led. We need to be people of the truth. We need to go back to the basics of the Bible. We need to learn to flip the pages, like I said last week. I wasn't here preaching last week, of course, Sarah. And, and, and I just... I just had a passion, and I need to carry my Bible back to front. Yeah? You need to carry your Bible back to front. You need to hear this words to toot in your heart, that when you're going through a bad day, that this words become alive to you. They become alive to you and become part of you. And when you start speaking to folk, you find yourself ministering a new level. So here we have it. That's what's happening in the world back then. So, Jesus' name. Tiberius was a new emperor in Rome. But he had a guy who was governor. He was called Pontius Pilate. Now, well, I heard about Pilate, didn't we? Pilate was a guy who was in charge. And, he's, and he was going to what, make a decision either to um, free Jesus or crucify him. And his wife passed him a note. Beware, guys, when your wife has to pass you a note. Yeah? His wife passed him a note. Just as he's a way to make his decision, he says, 
I had a crazy dream about this guy, Jesus. Do not have anything to do with the decision you're away to make. He slips the boat back in his robe, and he hands the decision over to the people. Thank Lord for that wife, eh? But what a crazy week it's been. It's been absolutely nuts. One Sunday, Jesus enters into Jerusalem. The Romans, Romans, the Romans are in charge of all the Israelites. All Judea, everything that's under the oppression of Rome. Jesus enters in. Now, what you've got to remember is that Jewish people believe this. They believe Scripture. They believe the Bible. They believe what Moses read, wrote. They believe what Zechariah wrote, Hosea, all these prophets. They knew all these things. And they had a preconceived idea of how it was all going to play out. They had God in a box, and they thought, this is what's going to happen. Jesus has just entered Jerusalem. We're laying down all this palm trees before him. And he said that he will destroy the temple, and he will build it in three days. So therefore, what had happened just before Jesus was born was that Herod the Great, Herod the Great had just rebuilt Jerusalem's temple. And they had preconceived that Jesus was going to tear it down and build it. And he was going to set his rule and reign up in, um, in Jerusalem forever and ever. And this is what they thought. So Jesus is entering in, and this is going to be it. This is the climax of what either belief had been up until that time. That was, in, that was in Sunday. On Monday, Jesus goes to the temple, and he goes absolutely crazy. He kicks over the tables. He flips over at the tables. He scatters the money. He scatters the sacrifices, and he causes a right uproar in the temple. And you think, what on earth is going on? Huh? This is near the king. This is near if it's happening. He just went absolutely berserk. Wednesday comes. Wednesday's a quiet day. Nothing happens on Wednesday in the Bible. It was just a quiet day. But on Thursday, on Thursday is a completely different day. Jesus has his last supper with his disciples. And then Jesus, Judas, leaves the table and betrays Jesus. And Friday, Jesus appears before Herod. And Herod marks the fun of him and asks him lots and lots of questions. And up until that point, Herod and Pontius Pilate were enemies. But when Herod gave Pontius Pilate Jesus, that sealed a friendship that would last throughout their lives. See, I've got a passion for reading. I've got a passion for truth. And I'm praying that you guys get a passion for truth through what I'm saying this morning. I'm not just giving you statistics. I'm setting the scene. I'm setting the scene because I've got a hunger for truth. I don't want to ken just the stories I think I ken in the Bible. I want to ken the truth of what was really happening in these people's lives, this generation, that I may understand, that I may enter into this, this, this world and see for their angle on why they thought it was happening. So here they are. And Friday, he's handed over. 
Jesus is crucified. And all falls apart. The bubble is burst. All our hopes, all the dreams, all the aspirations, all the beliefs, all the building up with three years of Jesus' ministry, all the time spent with him, and he's, 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 he's healing people, he's ministering to people, he's, he's helping, hurting people. It's gone. He's crucified. All hope is gone. I knew it's Sunday. It's one week. It's one week. One long, long week. And all hope is gone. It's gone. Is your week as bad as that week? How's your week been? Huh? I bet your week's been pretty good, eh? And here we hear two guys in Luke 24. And they've got a long, long walk home. Is Omdi here ever had a long walk home? Long, long walk home. Where's Matthew Runcy? Matthew here? There you go. You had a long walk home, Matthew. A long drive home. He's got to tell us about his long drive home. You see, I'm not a football supporter. And I, I didn't support Rangers, and I didn't support Celtic. But I just want him to tell us how it feels to have a long walk home. Two thousand sixteen Champions League. Celtic was playing Barcelona. <clears throat> and can drive to Glasgow is four hours plus minus. And uh, but when you're gone down to the when you're when you're gone down to the fit back and you're you're uh, excited, can you've the, the the drive doesn't uh, doesn't bother you because you've got plenty to speak about team news and Fit of our Ken, and a drive is easy. And once you get there, Ken, you can do it at the stadium, see players coming off a bus into the stadium, and Ken, buy a scarf on D for your D. And, uh, and you speak to a few folks down there, you start believing the hype. Ken, Barcelona ain't the best teams in the world. And uh, <clears throat> a couple of years before that, uh, I think it was about 2012, Celtic beat him, Ken, 2 1, uh, two I think it was. And uh, Celtic had just been hammered 6-0 uh, a few weeks beforehand over in Barcelona. So realistically, you think, again, best team in the world, just beat us 6-0. Can't possibly win at him. But you believe it uh, when you're there, and you get, ah, excited, ah, hyped up. Of course, until the game. And uh, it's like somebody popping a balloon, Ken, when uh, they score. The referee was poor at night as well, Ken. Even if he wasn't, you tell yourself he was. And uh, the, the game finishes at nearly 10 o'clock. Celtic have lost 2-1. Ken, you are adamant they were going to win. And the game finishes at just nearly 10 o'clock. By the time you get down to the car, <clears throat> and by the time the car gets out of traffic, 
it's pushing on past 11 o'clock, and you've still got four hours back of the road. So if you've got a decent wingman with you, uh, Billy's here. Dolly, Dolly's, Billy's brother uh, usually goes down to football, and he, he, speaks, he speaks well about sort of being, being uh, a good wingman, but sort of sleeping before we get to Perth. But uh, if you've got somebody here, at least it's somebody to speak to, but uh, if you're compartment it falls asleep, then it's a, a very long drive up the road. So, all right, that's, that's it. Deflated. Mark's four hours seem like eight. So that's Matthew's long drive home. I bet um, Rangers had a few long drive homes as well, eh? We're not even going anywhere this morning, right? We need to balance the books a wee bit, again. Okay? It's not just one team in the world, again. Okay? I don't got much of a clue, but again, it, um, they're in trouble. Okay. So how do we change that? Eh? So Luke 24, it's Sunday. It's still Sunday, right? So it's still Sunday. So that same day, two of them are walking to the village of Emmaus, about seven miles out of Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation, going over all these things that had happened. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them but they were not able to recognize who he was. He asked them, was it your discussion to, to, so intently as you walk along? They just stood there, long-faced, like they'd lost their best friend. Then one of them, his name was Cleopas, said, are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what's happened? Now, I'll just read this in a different version. Jesus said to them, you seem so deep in discussion about something. What are you talking about? So sad and gloomy. They stopped. There's only one thing that can make a long walk home longer. is stopping. <laughs> in Cleopas, now, if there's one thing about Jews, is they love to debate. Yeah? I've been to Jerusalem, and they can debate everything in scripture for so long yeah and they're very passionate now I just I close my eyes and imagine the scene are you the only one for Disney Cain if it happened and you're here there's no Facebooks there's no Instagram there's no these sort of things there's no, no printing press or anything but surely you can exactly if it's happened so what is Jesus doing? Why does Jesus ask that question of them at that point? Why are you too so gloomy? Why are you in discussion? Remember that they didn't recognize him at that time. Maybe a, a, a gardener's robe on, we are who died, and again. But it says it was, they were kept for recognizing him. And here's a stranger comes along and enters into their conversation. And he provokes them to share if it's in, his, in their hearts. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you really shared with God what's really in your heart? These guys were disappointed. These guys were dejected. These guys were confused. These guys were hurt. These guys were in pain. These guys didn't care for the next. They lost their purpose. They lost their destiny. They was dissolute. 
Let me can. Yet Jesus was saying, Come on, talk to me. Talk to me. Share with me. Tell me. You see, there is power in the spoken word. I, I, I mention that every time I'm preaching nearly. God wants to provoke a question within your heart where you actually vocalize saying, Lord, I went for a job interview. I went for this thing, and it's gone. And I'm feeling so hurt. I'm feeling so sad. I'm feeling so depressed. I had my, my hopes in that situation. And Lord, that's what I'm at. You see, God wants to provoke a real response for our hearts, folks. When our marriages break up, did you bring it to God? If your son goes on drugs, do you bring it in God? If your daughter's going to skew with, if you brought it to God, and you go, God, I'm hurt through this situation. I'm feeling pain through this situation. Lord, I, I, I want to be real. And God is asking us this morning in our hearts, where are you in the midst of your life right now? See, I could, we could pretend that everything's okay. But I don't think God wants us to pretend that things are okay and we're lives all the time. We're all at different stages in life. We're all going through hurts. We all go through pain. And one thing God is desperate for is a true relationship with his people. When we come to him, we were hurts. When we come to him, we were pain. Nothing is too difficult. Nothing is too hard for God. But it takes you to vocalize it. It takes you to speak it out. That he can remove the pain. That he can remove the hurt. That he can remove the disillusions in your life. And this is what he was doing with these two guys. He was asking them thought-provoking questions. He asked them these two words. What things? And you can just imagine these two guys. Maybe Cleopas is, it never actually says who the other one was. I don't know if it says Cleopas. I wonder whether the other one was his wife. Huh? But then again, but if she, if she was like Ashley, Ashley would have told her exactly if it was happening. <laughs> huh? You believe it? We've fooled him for three years. Fooled him for three years. And he's gone. Yeah? Give him money, supported him, eh? and he was slapped in the face. Said he was got a right, I thought he was got a rule forever. And God has let us do. Real. Eh? Real life. How do you feel when God is let you doing? Where do you go to when God is let you doing? And this is the key in this. Jesus wants to know what's really going inside our hearts. Maybe our fear is maybe not cope with life without some sort of substance. Maybe your job's just too much and you feel trapped. Maybe you feel lonely, yet you're surrounded. 
Maybe you feel just so alone. Maybe you just kind of shrug off a sadness in your life. Maybe there's just some cycles in your life that you just kind of break. Maybe deep and inside you're so mad you can burst. This is real emotions, eh? But this is real. But how and why did these two guys end up in the Bible? Why is this story so important when the Bible already says that if nothing was written that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough books to say. Yet these two guys made it in the Bible. And I got my thinking, why would they be in the Bible, God? These are not like one of the chosen 12, now 11, hiding for their life in an upper room. These with locked doors, fearing for their lives. Why are these two? And again, why? Because Jesus needs them. He needs them back to where they were. And he left the rest to get these two. And you can something? That God will leave the rest to get you. When you're hurting, when you're in pain, he will leave the rest to get you and to bring you back to where he needs you to be to fulfill what he has already planned for your life. This morning, as you search your heart, are you in the right place? And in church, and here, are you in the right place? Are you where you need to be? Or do you need to go back to where you left the tracks and say, Lord, help me. Help me make the right decision. Help me need to make the long walk home. But Lord, I'm asking you to guide me, to lead me, to take me to a place where I need to be again. I really believe God is speaking directly to some people here this morning through this message. But there's a stranger and he keeps walking alongside him and they're going the wrong direction. They're going the right direction. Yet Jesus still sticks with them. And you see, they couldn't see it yet. They didn't know it yet. They were too hurt and too sad and too disappointed to know. And they were walking away from where they needed to be. And God shall walk with them. And even though we're going off the rails sometimes, folks, and we all do it, the Bible says all, all have sinned and fallen short. And sometimes we go off the rails and we walk. And I used to think that God will leave God at the door. 
But now I know that he walks with us, try to bring us back. And if only we will hear his voice. And what Jesus does is key. This is the most important key of what I'm sharing this morning, is what Jesus does next. And what he does next is amazing. He brings him right back to the Bible. Now, it wasn't a Bible back then. It was written like we was. It was a Corax. It was stored in, the, like I said last week, it was stored in, in, in pigeonholes in the synagogues. And only the, um, the rabbis and that would, would, would um, read them out. But, but everyone knew Scripture. And he took them right back to the Scriptures from Moses and went right through the prophets oh, and told them the truth. And if they believed, now you got to remember, they believed that Israel was going to be established, that Jesus was going to rule forever, that um, he was going to get rid of all the Romans, he was, and he was going to reign forever, and they was going to reign with him, and it was going to be a, a massive party that, that um, there was going to be two brothers, one on the left, one on the right, and they were fighting for fires, going to be left, fires, going to be right. And, and I rather this thing's happening. But Jesus says, no. You see, I need to sort out your thinking. Yeah? My ways are not your ways. Your ways are not my ways. I am the Lord. I am a king. And I'm going to point you and show you and enlighten you. If it really, the Bible really says about if it's going to happen. And he takes him on a journey. I love it when God takes us on a journey. Yeah? And you can be so depressed. You can be on a bad week. And it just slowly, he takes you on a journey, and then I think seems okay again. And he took him back 1,500 B.C. to Moses. And he starts with Moses. And he says, you see, from Moses, in John 5, 46, it says this. If you believe Moses, this is Jesus speaking. If you believe Moses, you believe me, for he wrote about me. Now, this is Jesus speaking about Moses, who lived 1,546 years before Jesus. And he's saying, Moses wrote about me. That's a bit, that's a bit of nuts, is it? Huh? So it's sat me, right, okay. This is my, this is four o'clock this morning. I said, I've got to find out. It was written about Jesus by Moses. Again? So, this is it. So, Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. And this is speaking like a parallel of what happened to a snake and what happened to Jesus. Then, any, when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked upon the bronze snake, they lived. Bitten in the New Testament style. Then when anyone was bitten by sin, I looked at Jesus, they lived. And that's what Jesus was referring to, the parallel in Scripture. And I says, well, that's a wee bit of, Ken, that's a wee bit, I'm not sure about that, Ken. Okay, I can see, I can see how it resembles Jesus and like that, but come on, Lord, there must be something better than that. Isaiah 9. Six and seven. This is 
742 years before Jesus was born. And this is amazing. For unto us a child is born, us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Out of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no, way, no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, established and upholding it with justice and righteous from that time and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Zechariah, 512 years BC. I see your king, see your king comes to you, righteous, victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey on a colt and a foal of a donkey. You can something. I tell Jesus in that in Jerusalem. Written 512 years before he was even born. And prior to that, Isaiah was saying how he's going to be born, how he's going to reign, how his rule was going to be. Keeps on going on. Hosea, 730 years BC. After two days, he will revive us. And then on the third day, he will raise up. Which I'm speaking about. I'm speaking about, the, I'm speaking about the crucifixion and his resurrection, that we may live with him. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. And it says this, as they approached the village, Emmaus, Jesus walked ahead, telling him he was going to a distant place. And they urged him to remain there and pleaded, stay with us, it will be dark soon. And this is one thing characteristic Jesus had in his life. He always wanted to walk on. You see, the same happened when there was a storm at sea. There was a storm in the sea and the, 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 they were going over to the other side of the, the sea. And um, this, the disciples were rowing for all their worth. And a great storm, it came. And then I said in, in the midst of the storm, about Jesus. And he was just walking past the boat. And thinking, he's walking on, he's walking on. And we're stuck in this boat, drowning. And he's walking on. And they cried him. Jesus, come into the boat. And as soon as Jesus stepped into the boat, the storm went dead. And here we hear again, here, that Jesus has got to walk on. And I've wondered all this week, how much times has Jesus walked in? then walked on in people's lives. Okay? Someone's life's desperate. I've seen it so much times in the work I used to do in Teen Challenge and different things. And you see it in church. If someone comes into church and they're so desperate and they need the help, they need to get their life back in order, they need to come after drink, they need to get things straight, they need to get their family back, they need to get their marriage back, and it seems to be, ah, oh, good, and then Jesus walks on. And you never see him again. Because their life's okay again. I just need Jesus just to help me out. Just get my life back together. And Jesus walks on. If only we realized what the destiny was when they took Jesus into the house. And as I closed my eyes, 
And as I imagine this scene, when Jesus enters into this house with these two people, what was customary back then was that the head of the house would break the bread and serve the guests. But what happened in this situation was that as Jesus entered the house, Jesus took the bread. And this is the most amazing thing. They still didn't care, and it was Jesus. And it just, just Jesus was going to leave before then, prior, I forgot to say. He says, Is our hearts not burning? Is there not something happening? Is this guy is taking us back on a journey through Scripture? Is there not something being revived? I, I cannot let this go. I cannot let what is happening in this moment go because I need this in my life. We, 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 are, we, are, we are desperate, like five miles ago. <laughs> and this guy has come alongside us, and he's given us focus, he's given us purpose, he's enlightened us, and something is happening that I can't let go. There's times in our life, folks, when God puts people in our lives, and two people will come, and they'll walk a short journey together. And if you are with a person like that, and that person is imparting it in your life, then I'll let him go. Take all that God's given through him and say, I need you in my life right now. I need you to minister to me. And I, I, I don't want to let you go. Because that moments are special in your life. I can count in my hand the times that as people came into my life and I was, was desperate. And I needed that in my life. And I need to spend time with that person. And we used to drive up to Gambry to spend time with that person's that man and wife, and we used to spend nights with him because I wanted if it was in that guy's life. And I wasn't wanting to let them go because I needed whatever they had, I saw, and I said, I need that peace. I need that assurance. I need that relationship that they've gotten. And I want to spend time with them. Who are you investing time with? Be careful who you're investing time with. Surround yourself with positive people. Surround yourself with whole people. Surround yourself with people that can build you up, not tear you down. Surround yourself with people that are there to support you, not to backstab you. And you need to be careful, church, on who you're spending your time with. And these guys are saying, this guy, we need him. We need him. He needs to spend more time to us because something is happening in my life right now. Has somebody ever been there? Has somebody need that in their lives right now? That they need minister down and say, Look, it's not just about need. It's not just about need, need, need. You can, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And they, whatever these words are saying through this person's is ministering directly into your spirit, right as a Rima word, which is a now word, right into your situation. And you say, Look, I need to spend just a bit more. Can we meet for a breakfast? Can we meet for one more prayer time? Because I need this in my life. And then what happens is, just a short time after, to pass naturally separate. And that person will be going off and minister to somebody else. And you will be whole, ready for the next adventure God has got for you. So what happens? What's life application is this? When life goes to you with, we need to kind the word of God. We need to bring someone into our life and share what's happening in our life. If you're filled with fear, if you're filled with anxiety, if you're filled with doubt, if you've got some confusion, if you've got some hurts, if you've got some pains, then I keep it to yourself. 
speaking to the right person, to the right person, someone that knows Scripture, someone that can point you and take on and open up a Bible and say, this is what the Word of God is saying. Read it for yourself and study the Scriptures and say, look, I need you. I, I, need, I need this words in my life, and I need to be able to turn to the Bible, I need to be able to open my Bible, and I need that words. And that's why I really struggle with Bible on my phone. <laughs> because the Bible on your phone, I'm scrolling through it. Sure as a cat's a hairy beast, as my granny used to say. Huh? Is that a, sure as a cat is a hairy beast, that's it. What happens? A message pops up. Toilets are blocked in 9 North Street. Come immediately. Water everywhere. And you think, I'm just getting in my Bible. Again. I'm just getting my word for today. That's my quiet time. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying my best. Again. That's why I like it. So I went back to read my Bible. I page by page. Because there's no distractions. And I need it. It's just my tip. I need the word of God. Flicking the pages, flicking back and forth, my concordance, and try to find out timelines. And I'm like, oh, I love it. So here we have it. These guys have said to Jesus, you're not going. You must stay. It's getting late. It's getting dark. And whatever you've got, we need it. So Jesus enters into the house. And I've already said, it's customary for the head of the house to break a bread. And as I meditated on this, and as I concentrated on what was happening at this very moment, you're waiting for, when will the Ken it's Jesus? When will the Ken it's him? You see, the Bible says that when he was beaten, when he was broken, when he was in the course, on, the, on the cross and his side was pierced, it blood flowed from him. He was unrecognizable. And we can, that he was probably bloodied and scarred and plucked and hair torn out. And he thrown a corn, thorns had been in his head maybe two days ago. He'd been washed. He'd been cleansed since then. But he would still be full of bruises and still full of, because he's, he's still fully God, but yet fully human. I believe this was the most amazing time and I would have loved to be in this room and I was just praying this morning, I said, Lord, if there was a time in the Bible I would love to be at, would be in that room at this very moment in time. And I believe, I never asked for us to be here today, I believed it's from Jesus. Stretch forth his hands broke the bread, and gave it to them. What would they have seen in his wrists? The scars. Can you imagine that moment when you realize that the person that you've been sharing all your hurts, all your pains, all your disillusionments, and he's been walking with you, he's been inspiring you, and you didn't really recognize who it was until he put out his hands and gave you the bread and it was Jesus. And you saw the scars. You saw the holes in his wrists. 
and the penny dropped. Wow. This is not a gardener. This is Jesus. This is the one who died for us. And the penny drops that he has risen, that we have got hope again. And with that, he just disappears. He's gone. Can you imagine the change that happened in that room? The emotions, the euphoria. This is amazing. This is amazing. This, this is just changes everything. What did they do? Right. Set alarm for five o'clock tomorrow morning. I think we need to get early. <laughs> we've walked. We've walked seven miles, like we brought the new Aberdour. I think we just need to set the alarm early and we'll catch the first Pony Express up to Jerusalem. No. Something had happened within their lives. It was a revival. It was a rejuvenation, a strength. And he says, that's it. We're leaving right now. We're going back to where we should be. We're near waiting until tomorrow. But we need to get us right now. And we're going back to Jerusalem. And they left at once. This is Luke 24, 28. They left at once and hurried back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples when they, were, they, when they found the eleven and the other disciples altogether, they overheard them saying, It's really true. The Lord has risen from the dead. He's even appeared to Peter. They didn't waste a minute. They were up on their way back to Jerusalem. Um, then the two went over everything that had happened on the road and how they recognized him when he broke bread. When they were all saying this, Jesus appeared to them and said, Peace be with you. They thought they were seeing a ghost and were scared half to death. He continued with them, Don't be upset and don't let all doubting questions take over. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's really me. Touch me. Look over me from head to toe. A ghost doesn't have muscle and bone like this. As he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And they still couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was too much. It seemed too good to be true. He asked, do you have any food here? They gave him a piece of leftover fish they cooked. He took it and ate it right before their eyes. And that's all I want to share with you this morning, folks. Jesus wants to be real. The Lord wants to be real with us. And this is not going to be a time when you come out and get a five-minute prayer and, or a two-minute prayer and everything's all right in your life. There's no really any appeal. Why? Because this is something between you and the Lord. In your quiet time, in your moment of laugh and you just got five minutes to yourself, maybe you're listening to this in podcast, just say, Lord, 
help me be real with you. Only doubts, only fears, only anxieties. Lord, I've got this fear that controls my life. Lord, I've got this anxiety that keeps me come back. Lord, help me. Come and walk with me. Come and give me somebody that understands and, and sends somebody to me. Now, we have got a prayer ministry team here. And we have got people that can really just listen to you and counsel you. It's no professional counseling. But sometimes you just need someone to pray with you and someone just to listen to you. And if you feel as though you would just like to spend some stuff, I talk things over with somebody sometime, or a coffee or a breakfast or a tea, just give Sarah your name and we'll get one of the prayer ministry team just to spend a bit of time with you. And they just, there's no quick fixes in life. You can, the kingdom of God is built on relationships. Yeah? Relationships need to be strong. And we're a family here. And sometimes we just need to go for a coffee. Sometimes we just need to go for a tea. And sometimes we just need to pray with one another and spend time with one another. And it's mere just in a quick fix. But if this word is spoken to you this morning, if you feel as though you're only way along that road for Jerusalem MAS this morning. If you feel as though you're walking in the wrong direction and you need somebody to come along and walk with you and to help you. Maybe you feel alone, yet you're surrounded. Come and share either with me or Sarah and just say, is it possible that somebody could just come and just spend a bit of time with me? maybe a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or, or something, just come up my house sometime because I really need to just share some stuff. And then I wait until after. Sometimes we came from our heart is fluttering when God is speaking. And just come and speak to us. And that's all I've got to share, folks. You see, I've learned that when God gives us a word like this, my, I'm just a postie. <laughs> yeah? I'm just a guy that delivers a mail. Yeah? And I used to take on the responsibility, oh, if maybe five folk will come forward, maybe come, three folk will come forward, three people will come forward for prayer. I'm not interested any longer. I'm just a postman. I'm just delivering what I believe is the word of God into your life today. Whatever you do, it's not my responsibility. Because I'm just sowing seeds. And I would love to spend time with some guys here. I would love to just come along and have a coffee or a tea. I didn't drink coffee or tea, by the way. It's only orange juice or diluting juice. I'm a coffee-free zone. Like Andra. <laughs> but hey, we're here for you. Okay? We're here to walk alongside you. We're here to help you. And I've got a passion for the Word of God. I would love to just paint you some scriptures to go on a journey with you, to spend time with you, and, and just, just help one another. Because can something? See, maybe tomorrow I might need you. We all need somebody to lean on, eh? Lean on me. And that's it, folks. I'm empty. I'm so glad that I'm empty. 
I've been carrying this word for about a month now, since Kevin told me I was preaching. I did preach a lot nowadays, but I've really got a passion to preach a bit more. <laughs> okay? And just share what I believe is the word of God. It's not fancy. It's just getting stuff in. That's what it is. And sharing it. And walking away. And letting God do his work. Let God minister. So I just pray that God will bless you. I pray that as you journey this week, as you get here a better Sunday to Sunday than these guys had, <laughs> that um, life's not that bad sometimes. But life sometimes is lonely. Life sometimes would throw us curveballs and blindsided. So I just want to say, I believe in you. Huh? This is not hollow. This is not hollow. I believe in you. And it's my passion as an elder here to see you grow into something that God made you to be. I do not want us just to be to be the Sunday go to meeting Christians. But Martin was up here for the first time today. Amanda was up here for the first time. As I'm moving on, as I'm growing up, hey, and you meet over this next wee while, you got to see different people just again, little baby steps. And it's not just for position, it's just growing up in Christ. Because we need challenged, we need provoked, we need to be stretched, we need to grow. We need to move on to different levels. Why? Because see, if you just come here every Sunday after Sunday, you just sing a couple of songs and nothing's ever happening. What happens to milk at room temperature? Grow still. And that's what happens in Christian life. We grow still. Ah, suck it. I don't think I'll come to church today. It's just going to be the same. I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. But when Amanda came up here last Sunday, who was minister till? Eh? Who was minister till? That was Amanda's story. How about your story? God, you spoke through Amanda and helped so much people here. I never kent her story before. I never kent about her anxiety. But I've been praying for Amanda this week. So much people can be helped by your story, by your little, little testimony, can make a, such a big difference in people's lives. But we need to, as these guys did, speak out. And in my house church, I'm trying, it's very, very hard with all guys, to forget we're tablets. Aye, need tablets. <laughs> and get the Bible. Oh, but I just like Wi-Fi. No, we want to be people of the Word. And I'm doing it for a reason. I would be able to flip my Bible and find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I would find one, two, three, four. I would get used to that because it's a good habit to get into. So I'm showing somebody. Another thing I want to do, yeah, I'm going whole day, but another thing I want to do is I want to get a Bibles in the back of church. Who's got Bibles in their house that they never, never ever use? The lug keeps on popping. That's why I'm sniffing all the time. I've got a, I've got a popping lug. Aye. You've got to find a Bible 
that you like. Yeah? There's so much versions. I mean, it's not a different Bible, so it's just written a different way. And there's so much Bibles and so much versions. I'm going to have a little... Next few Sundays, I, once I come back, after the 14th of November, I'm going to have different Bibles in the back. So you can hear a look at a Bible. I mean, you look at a Bible online, you can't really see if it's written. You just pick an LT, Passion, Message, New Living, or other versions. But you can find something that you like. Yeah? Something that you read. I'm just, I've got Bibles in one year from my house and all that sort of stuff. Just, just got to them up. And that would be brilliant if somebody came along to church and didn't have a Bible. I can you can get it on your phones. I can you can do all that. But if we could have Bibles available for them that didn't have. And just say, here's a Bible. And we become people with the written word. I don't care why I'm so passionate about that. It's probably because I'm reading books for the library. My books are always back in four weeks. Eh? I bought a book. I got a book. This is just finishing off. I got a book. It was, I was told I wasn't getting this book until 2020. So I walked into the library and she says, you'll never believe it, Paul. Right, I'm, work, I'm working flat out, right? you never believe it, Paul. I've got you the book. I've got you the new book. The only problem is, because it's a new book, you've got to read it in two weeks. I about died. I looked at a book and it was about that thick. 600 pages. I, can't remember, I think it was John Grisham. 600 pages, new book. I says, Lord, I've got a challenge here. Like, I did it. I did it. I was one day into the... Can you get two weeks and then you get five days and you're fined. You cannot... You get a fine after five, five days. Once you pass five days, you get a fine. I said, I'm not getting fined, Lord. I am not getting fined. But I must finish your books. I'm not going to get it back. I did it. And I took it as a challenge for God. That when you get a goal, we made a, hey, we made a goal last week, didn't we? Paul read a verse every day. You? Somebody else? Yes, you? Wow. We all, we all read a verse, one verse a day, every day. Well, I almost missed Monday. I was halfway through Monday. I walked my bed at night. I went, crap. Oh, that's it. Are you podcasting us? I can't believe I said that, but hey, life. Hey, ho. I missed it. And Monday almost. I got caught up just before I went to my bed. But I did it. I read a verse every day. All, one verse every day last week as well is my normal reading. But Lord, I just want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for your truth. I want to thank you for the why you've taught us today that how funny when life goes wrong, Lord. And we need to go back to scripture. And we need to care, and if we think we can, Lord, but Lord, if it, it really says to us, Lord. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you'll cause us to hunger for the word once again, Lord. Lord, when did it just be scrolling through or flicking through? Oh, Lord, that chapter's too long. But Lord, I just pray, Lord, you'll give us a hunger. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you might drop a passion in our lives, a passion in our hearts for your truth. Because it's your truth that sets us free. It's your truth, it transforms things, Lord. It's your truth, it binds up the brokenhearted. It's truth that sets the prisoners free, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for Omdi in here this morning that feels a wee bit bound, that feels a wee bit lonely, that feels a wee bit trapped. 
Lord, I just pray, Lord, your truth will break into their lives. Lord, if that's through a friend, if that's through a relationship, if that's through a, um, a, a, a church leader, Lord, no matter what it is, Lord, I just pray for breakthrough in our lives, Lord. We cry about breakthrough at time. But, Lord, we just pray for breakthrough in our lives. Lord, I pray, Lord, for omdates in a cycle in life right this minute in time, Lord. We just pray, Lord, that you'll break it. Lord, that you'll break in. And just the same way as Jesus did back then, Lord, that you will take us on a journey. You will take us on an adventure that we might be transformed, Lord, that we might be renewed, that we might catch your fire once again, Lord, that we might be revived, that we might be set alight, Lord, for you. And Lord, we might be the most joyful, happy, peaceful people on earth, Lord, because we have a radiance, because the King of glory resides within us. Lord, I just pray as we go to our work this week, Lord, I pray, Lord, there will be a radiance shines for every one of us, Lord. I pray, Lord, we might be doom and gloom, but Lord, I pray, Lord, that even though there is a storm, you are in this storm. Oh, Lord, I just pray for your peace in our lives once again. Lord, I pray, Lord, for any turmoil, for only loneliness, for any bitterness, for anything, Lord, that seeks to rob and destroy. I pray it will be gone in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, for a revival within our spirits. Lord, I just pray, Lord, as, as, as it still hold this, Lord, I just pray, Lord, at a time of rest, a time of re recuperation. And, Lord, I just pray for a freshness, for new growth among your people. Lord, I just pray that it might be like buds bursting through the hard, flesh, hard, hard soil, Lord. I pray, Lord, for a new fruit in our lives, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that none of us might be facing a long, lonely walk home this week, Lord. But I just pray for your joy. I pray for your peace. I pray for your happiness. I pray for the sunshine to be shining inside, even though it's raining. And, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we might be filled with a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, God, is we part this day, Lord, let us go be rejoicing. Let us go and be calling that you, let us know, that, as Martin said before, that you go before us, Lord. You chart a path ahead of us. And Lord, no matter fit this week brings, no matter fit this week throws at us, Lord, Lord, that we would go there confidently, knowing that our God goes before us. No matter fit obstacle is thrown in our way, Lord, you are preparing a way, for you know the path you have for us, Lord. Lord, the path to prosper us and yet harm us. Lord, I can go on, but it's time to go. It's time to get food. And Lord, we just pray for this happiness to be our strength. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. So we'll just hear the worship band up. Do we hear a happy song to sing, Mr. Happy? Are you still on a long, lonely road home? We need to go something a wee bit joyful. What have we got, Mr. Runcy? We've got something happy. Huh? Oi, oi, oi. Just a reminder, if you want to talk to me about anything after the service or Sarah, just give us a shout and we'll spend a bit of time with you. Amen. <laughs>